0: If you have a Bible handy, if you would be turning to 1 Samuel chapter 28. 1 Samuel chapter 28. Appreciate your attendance this afternoon. Appreciate uh, your participating in worship and us being able to enjoy that together. Appreciate all those who've led us uh, thus far. Robert's uh, wonderful prayers and Chase and his leading our singing. And uh, we're thankful again for, for us being able to participate together in this. Uh, we are and have been for a while now considering, uh, you know, trying each Sunday to connect the lessons because we are meeting so close together uh, at times to to maybe have a a two-part uh, sermon, so to speak, or something along those lines. There's other times where, um, you know, just maybe something comes to mind. For instance, I knew last week that we were going to cover Luke as the book of the month. That was kind of on my regularly scheduled programming. Uh, and so then thinking about Mary just kind of made sense as I was studying a little bit and thinking about that. As I was thinking about Saul and thinking about First and Second Samuel, uh, this question popped into my mind because of First Samuel chapter 28. Um, As I usually try to emphasize, I am by no means an expert uh, on anything, and what I try to do, of course, is consume as much as I can through the week and and thinking about a lesson, listening to various other sermons, reading other commentaries, all those things, putting together ideas. And then sometimes I feel like I do this afternoon, I think, where I get to the end of all that and I don't know if I'm going to make sense or not, you know, trying to put it all together. So I hope uh, that this lesson is helpful to you uh, to some degree to think about these things. Maybe, as we say, you find the one thing to take with you or the one little nugget that might help you to think about Uh, These things, but even sometimes as I get to the end of my preparation and putting it together, I think, well, I hope it comes across as a coherent thought that is is beneficial to you. And this kind of falls into that category a little bit because this is the question that I decided to go with. I found an article, as I usually try to emphasize or share with you, by our brother Wayne Jackson on the Christian Courier website, and the, this was the title of the article, and so I was pulling some thoughts from it. But when you think about what takes place in 1 Samuel chapter 28, and we're going to get there in just a moment, sometimes the idea of a witch is used. Uh, you'll hear that as a part of what takes place here. And again, we're going to try to read over it and summarize it together in just a minute. Um, so, you know, I thought about naming the title something like, you know, exorcism, witchcraft, sorcery, a- astrology, all these things. And I thought, well, that's pretty broad. But, you know, it's attention-grabbing, right? I'm not just kind of after only a- grabbing your attention. But certainly somebody sees that, and it might encourage them to want to know more about these things. If you're familiar with First Samuel chapter 28... Or what takes place here, this woman that we're going to meet and talk about, her name is, or what she goes by in, you know, in the text here, is she is the witch of Endor. Now, some of you are a little more familiar, but if you think about Endor, you know that's where the Ewoks lived, right? In uh, is it Return of the Jedi, I'm going to get it mis- mixed up here. Um, and, and I'll say this: uh, my kids remember one sermon that I preached in probably you know 15 years worth of preaching off and on, and it's one that I did here, I think, in 2018 when I first started. It's entitled Jedi or Christian, and all they remember is that there's a Star Wars sermon somewhere in Daddy's uh, you know list of sermons that he's done before. Um, um, but that, I know that was many years ago, and some of you may not have even been here then, but um, out in Texas, I think in particular, there was a group of people who claimed to believe and follow in on the Jedi religion. And so, uh, kind of talking about the truth of God's Word and being a Christian, I took some of that and, and spun it together to make a lesson. Yes, if you hear the word "indoor," a lot of people think of the planet indoor in Star Wars, and if you've seen that movie, that is uh, where they encounter those little furry creatures that everybody loves. Now, let's be clear: there's one. Maybe this is the one thing you take. This does not mean that Star Wars is in the Bible, okay? This is not the same Endor. There was a real place in, I guess we would call it the Middle East, right, in those Bible lands that was called Endor, and then somewhere along the way, somebody else came up with this idea or used the same name. In fact, as you see on the screen here now, you may have in your Bible either a dash or a space. I think in the New King James uh, that I have here, uh, I was trying to find it. See, at the end of verse number seven, mine says E-N space, where you can tell it's space, D-O-R. I've seen it together, kind of like, you know, the way it's written for Star Wars, and then some people use it, When it comes to or use this this dash when it comes to that so let's talk about this particular occasion in first samuel chapter 28. Um, we won't for the sake of time read all of it but if you would like to open there and i will try to go you know kind of chronologically verse by verse and maybe you can see what we're trying to summarize here but the the philistines are gathering their armies together during this section to uh, fight against israel and saul is very nervous Uh, Verse 3 is a pretty good one. We're going to reference it several times. Now, Samuel had died. That's a momentous thing. And all Israel had lamented for him and buried him in Ramah in his own city. And Saul had put the mediums and the spiritists out of the land. So Saul is nervous. And at this point in time, he has no way to know the will of the Lord. So verse 3 emphasizes that Samuel is dead. That's That's a big deal. Saul also remembers that he has cut off the priesthood of Eli when he killed the priest of of Nob. That's another uh, reference. But only one priest survived that, and he had gone with David uh, at another time. So the Philistines are assembling against Saul, verse 5. And when Saul saw the army of the Philistines, he was afraid, and his heart greatly Trembled. I don't want to draw all the comparisons, but we begin to see what we saw this morning. Saul is someone who is acting by sight and is fearful for these things. So Saul tries to inquire of the Lord directly, but the Lord is not answering him. The Lord is not speaking to Saul or sending prophets to him. Now, we notice this in chapter 14 this morning, right? We said that when Saul had made the, the, oath, uh, the rash oath about not eating, um, that he had inquired about the Lord what to do, and the Lord was not answering him. So Saul becomes desperate in, back in chapter 28 here, and he requests a medium to consult. Now, Saul knows this is a sin. Why do we say that? Because in verse 3, he says, it says that he had put the mediums out of the land. So he had had them removed, and this is the will of the Lord. If you're making notes, only if you're making notes, maybe you want to jot it down, but the reference is to Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18 verses 9 through 13. This is when God is giving instructions to the children of Israel. When they go into a land, they're they're not to take on these abominations, these idolatrous things of the people that they are overtaking. And so this is the will of the Lord, to, to not have these mediums in the land. So Saul is told about a medium, and we're using that in reference to this woman at Endor. He disguises himself, that's an important note, He disguises himself and goes at night, this is verse 8, goes at night to see her. I won't ask for a numbers to be said out loud, but what is the percentage of good things that happen when a person goes out at night and needs to disguise themselves, right? We're going to go with under one and maybe under .5, even, of the things, the good things that are happening. All this is pointing towards obviously it's something Saul shouldn't be involved in. Saul asks her to consult a spirit for him, and she responds that he is trying to get her killed because Saul has killed. She doesn't know it's Saul. She says, don't you know that Saul has has had all these mediums put out? What are you trying to do to me? Are you trying to set me up? And he makes an oath. He makes an oath to her and says that no harm or no punishment will come to her. In verse number 10, no punishment shall come upon you for this thing. Now, You know, this is a a pretty important picture here. Uh, Oftentimes they might have a pit. This is not like a crystal ball or tarot cards kind of thing. This is like there would probably be a pit they would lower a sacrifice down into and then look for that spirit to rise up out of the pit. And so Saul asked for the medium to conjure up the spirit of Samuel, who's dead. So she does her thing, and then she cries out in verse number 12. She describes a ghostly figure coming out of the earth, an old man wearing a robe, and Saul immediately understands that this is Samuel. So Saul bows down, and Samuel asks why Saul has disturbed him, and Saul tells Samuel about the situation with the Philistines and says that God has turned away from me and answers me no more. And Samuel responds that Saul has answered his own question. The Lord has turned away from you. Why are you asking me about it? That's down in verse number 16. Why are you seeking me? And verses 17 through 19 are the key to this section. The Lord has done to you as he has spoke by me because you did not obey the Lord's voice. The point is simple. The Lord is faithful and he keeps his word. But the chilling words of verse number 19, tomorrow you and your sons will be with me just like Eli and his sons dying on the same day Saul and his sons are also going to die on the same day. And if you turn over, I have turned turn over one page in my Bible, but in chapter 31, the book of 1 Samuel concludes with the tragic end of Saul and his sons. And so you see that there, and we're getting ready to open up then uh, the kingship, if you will, of David. But that is what happens with this, uh, this spirit, this, this woman at Endor, the witch at Endor, is sometimes what you will hear. But that opens up a whole host of other questions. And so we're going to kind of deviate a little from the title, but the question comes up, what about exorcism or communicating with the dead or witchcraft or sorcery or astrology, all all of these things. Does the Bible say anything? And you'll hear some phrases used. Sometimes you'll hear somebody refer to these things as dark arts. Sometimes you'll hear them referred to as magical arts. But let's just kind of sum it up here and maybe make a statement that we'll try to back up with some scripture. But to God, to God, magical arts are an abomination. We're going to answer why in just a moment. But just to make that statement, this is sort of a good way to to sum it up. There are numerous Old Testament references, uh, even from like Isaiah. Isaiah declared that all of Babylon's sorceries and spells would be unable to avert the punishment that God would inflict against her. We understand that this was a common thing. We think about Daniel. Uh, In the book of Daniel, we think about Genesis and other places in which things are supposedly done or in which these people, these magicians are called, but only the man of God is able to accomplish some of these things. And so even this, I think I'm going to insert this here for for the sake of time and maybe continuity, but the witch at Endor, there's some debate about what exactly happens in this moment. You're right. Some people say, well, she was just a charlatan. It's not real. It didn't really happen. Some people believe that she was a charlatan, but it really did happen. Samuel did sort of speak from the dead, but only because God allowed that to happen. And the reason why they say that is, as we mentioned in verse number 12 of chapter 28, when the woman saw Samuel, she cried out with a loud voice. Now, I can't stand here today and and tell you for sure, But I can tell you that if it were up to me, and I were faking something for so long, and then it really happened, I would probably be scared as well and cry out with a loud voice. And so some people say that, yes, in this case, Samuel sort of was speaking as a spirit from the dead, but only because Jehovah God caused it to happen. So much so that this charlatan, this woman, this witch, so-called witch, was surprised by it. Um, And so there's sometimes some debate on that. I think that does seem to kind of uh, make some sense. These people who would claim these things, you know, they claim to have power, uh, but they were really just uh, faking it, you know, to, to try to sometimes to make money or those kinds of things. When we make a statement like this, that to God these things are an abomination, why would we say that? Well, here's why. Because... When people claim to follow astrology, witchcraft, even the phrase spiritualism—I'm not sure that could refer to a lot of different things—those uh, who claim to be psychic mediums, um, those things are condemned because they, these practices, imply that they are themselves a substitute for God, that they can be something that can can that work outside of god's work so to speak so let's look at a couple of passages new testament galatians chapter 5 galatians chapter 5 if you know galatians chapter 5 a little bit about it our kids hopefully do because we sing a song standing right here in this spot each summer uh, each summer and think about the fruit of the spirit and the works of the flesh, although we don't sing about those, but we sing about the fruit of the Spirit beginning in verse number 22. But back up, back up before that, and you see the works of the flesh, in which we don't often list, but among those in verse number 20, you see the word sorcery mentioned there. The, when we think about this idea of witchcraft or sorcery, it's listed as a work of the flesh here. Go, I guess, towards the end of your Bible, towards the back. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8. I know, I know everybody knows this verse, right? Because we all know that the word liars is included. right? People quote Revelation 21.8. Liars are among those who will have their part in the lake which burns with fire. But did you know as well the word sorcerers is used there? So there are three places that this New Testament Greek word is used. One is Galatians 20. One here is in Revelation uh, chapter 21. We're not going to cover the other for the sake of time this afternoon, but let me give you the word. I think you know it, or at least you'll recognize it. The New Testament Greek word is pharmakia. Pharmacia. It carries with it the idea of medication. In fact, Strong's uh, you know, Dictionary of Words describes it as medication or pharmacy, where we get our word pharmacy from. But then it also goes on to talk about, by extension, magic, sorcery, or witchcraft. And so that is the word that's used in Galatians chapter 5, verse 20, here again in Revelation chapter 21 and verse number 8. But it's speaking about... And I keep kind of lumping these phrases or words together, uh, but that's what that's what's being discussed here. And it's not that taking medicine is wrong. Uh, By the way, we're not going to get to that point. You know, that's that's a whole another lesson for another time. But it's not to say, well, that's pharmacy. That means medication. Christians aren't to take medication. I don't think that's what this is meaning at all in that kind of way. But as you do a deeper Word study, and there is a lot here to kind of dig into with this word pharmacia and the, some uses of it. Um, then you understand that it's used to discuss. The sorcery, the witchcraft, that kind of thing, uh, more so than just maybe taking medicine um, and, and, you know, some, taking medication to help us with our ailments here upon this earth. So um, this is the, the word that's used. It, it kind of has to do with drugs. Again, that, it's kind of a different discussion, too. Um, taking medication, or we use that, that term. Um, but James McKnight, um, kind of commentator and writer, says that this word is used to, em, is employed... Of those arts of incantation and charming, and all that pretended communication with invisible malignant powers, whereby heathen priests promoted the reverence and worship of their idol gods, and McKnight uses in his phrase here, in his definition, and enriched themselves. Do I think that everyone was maybe trying to get rich? Maybe not. But that is part of what would take place. They would claim to do these things. They would provide you the medication. They would provide you the chance to speak to someone that you loved uh, from the dead. And all that would help. As we think about, uh, you know, as you think about trying to help somebody, then maybe you could get something off of them. But pretended communications with invisible malignant powers kind of has to do with that idea as well. And I think that helps us as we try to uh, consider and understand what the Bible has to say about these things. All right, a couple of facts. I want to present two on the screens to you here and then add one in as we go through it. Uh, number one, when we think about this idea of, of uh, you know these things being mentioned and doing these so called miracles, there are no genuine miracles that are happening today. I probably should have added that to the rest of the slide there, but I hope you understand i 'm not talking about in you know the biblical times when it 's like first Samuel chapter twenty eight or even certainly in the New Testament, the book of Acts, I'm not saying that there are no miracles period, but today there are no genuine miracles uh, being performed. You think about second Timothy chapter three. 2 Timothy chapter 3 verses 16 and 17. All scripture is given by inspiration of God, right? You, you know this quotation is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete thoroughly furnished or thoroughly equipped for every good work. We have the word of God. We do not need miracles today, genuine miracles. They were around during the first century, uh, during this time, to confirm the message, confirm the messenger, that these men were speaking on behalf of God. We talked about this. I know many of you may not have been in here, but when we discussed the Holy Spirit months ago on a Wednesday night Bible series, Bible class, we talked about the fact that miracles, the time of miracles have passed And those are no longer needed to confirm the message. We now have the written word of God. And we have all that we need. We can be thoroughly furnished, thoroughly equipped for every good work. And so that's what we have. So there are no miracles uh, being done today to the sense that some of these things, somebody says, oh, well, they might be true. You know, I saw somebody the other day discuss uh, the idea of Theistic evolution. Are you familiar with that at all? That's, again, a whole different topic. But some people take uh, evolution, they say, well, you know, evolution as it's presented that we all came from nothing or from a Big Bang or some kind of small amoeba or whatever is not true. But it could be that evolution took place between each day in Genesis. and, And so theistic evolution has been created to try to mix the two together. And there's no need for it. There's no need for it. God is all-powerful. He created, and and again, that's a a different lesson where we would kind of break that down, but he created everything in seven, six literal days, you know, and so there's no need for this. Well, I think sometimes people kind of do this same thing and they say, well, maybe astrology or, you know, exorcism, those things are real because, you know, maybe, maybe because God needs to do something or show us something, and they kind of start trying to mix the two together, um, but the Bible is very clear. There are no genuine miracles today. Also, I didn't get this one on the slides. Uh, but there's there's no magic power today either. Kind of in connection with that, there's no magic power. Now there is sleight of hand, right? There is deception. Uh, I love a good magic show, right? As much as the next person to watch somebody kind of deceive your eyes. You can't believe what you're seeing. Anybody watch? These days, there's these guys that call themselves mentalists, right, and they can tell you what you're thinking. It kind of, it, it hurts my head to even think about, um, you know, but there's one guy in particular who has gone around to a lot of sports teams, and so he's been on news stations and ESPN and all these. They've covered him, but he'll call call somebody up, and he'll tell them, you know, their first girlfriend in second grade, and it's like... I don't know, just all these things. He claims to be able to read their mind. I don't know how he does it, right? And sleight of hand, sometimes magicians, the things they can do are, are very powerful in one sense. But there's no magic power today, just like there are no genuine miracles. And kind of back to where we started with the question here, there is no communication from the dead. There's no communication. Look in Luke chapter 16, The dead cannot inform the living uh, of what, you know, events of this earth are. And one place that we commonly turn to is Luke chapter 16. Luke chapter 16, verses 19 through 31. You're familiar where this is, um, the story of the rich man and Lazarus. You recall that the rich man, as he's in torments, he wants to send someone back. But it's not possible. What's the answer from Father Abraham? Father Abraham says... They have the prophets. Let them hear them. Um, One more thing you could write down if you're making notes. But Ecclesiastes chapter nine, Ecclesiastes chapter nine, verses five and six uh, makes mention that the dead know not anything under the sun. Now, there's two things here. One is there's no communication from the dead. All right, so. Then you say, what about the witch at Endor? Well, that's back to the idea of maybe God allowed it in that moment uh, for that particular purpose. God caused that to happen, not that that witch, so-called witch, could do it. Um, but there's also a mention here of, you know, what the dead are aware of. Um, and that is kind of a, a pretty more detailed discussion as well you know a lot of people like to say well they you know my loved one is watching me uh and my loved one is is knowing these things and and i think that's uh, something we have to be careful in it seems like from scripture that the dead are not aware of what's transpiring here um it does not affect them and um that's you know not necessarily what's common for people to believe or say so maybe that we can come back and talk about that in a future lesson, uh, maybe to kind of describe that a little bit more. But I just kind of want to make mention because when it talks about communicating with the dead, uh, you know, they're not communicating with us. And of course, in Luke chapter sixteen, as we said, he wants to. You know, the rich man says, "Send Lazarus back." You know, let let somebody come from the dead and speak to them. And Father Abraham says, "That's not that's not possible, and that was wouldn't even work." in one in one idea of that because they have the prophets and they do need to, to hear them. Let me throw in here real quick as well, um, there are a lot of other things that are associated with this, things like somebody says, well, what about astrology or the horoscope? Well, you know, the idea behind a lot of that is that the stars, the planets and the stars are influencing what's happening on earth, or it has to do with luck. Does it sound exactly very biblical to me either that God has left to what happens to us up to, you know, the luck of the stars or the planets in that kind of regard? So um, the last point in just a moment is going to come back. We're going to come back and talk about that. Um, Somebody says, even what about a Ouija board? You know, communicating with the dead. Is that something that can be used? And again, I would just caution you against all of these things in the sense that any communication, any kind of, um, you know, talking about, Spirits and the influence of these things We're getting into a territory Where the Bible is pretty clear That that's not something in which God Is is working with mankind today No genuine miracles No communication from the dead Uh, So then the question comes up What about amusement? You know, what about amusement? So are you telling me, preacher That if I go to The local Chinese restaurant And I crack open my dessert there, right, my fortune cookie, and I read what's on there, are you telling me that I'm sinning, all right? And my answer is, as a lot of things I can only tell you, is what Joel's answer is, is I do not think sometimes when it comes to amusement that that would be something sinful to do, to open your fortune cookie and eat it, and to read what your fortune says on there. Um, I went to the team room before uh, worship started a few moments ago, and my dear eldest looked at me and said, What are you preaching on this afternoon? He asked me that all the time. And I said, Well, witchcraft and astrology. And he said, Yes. And he said, Are you going to talk about Harry Potter? And I said, No, that was not in my lesson. But maybe that needs to be talked about. What about amusement? Can we can somebody read Harry Potter? Is that, that simple? You may know people who have said, you know, who have said children shouldn't read that. That's something that's wrong. I will go back kind of to the fortune cookie reference there for my two cents. If it's something that you can enjoy with some sort of amusement, knowing that that's not a truly powerful thing, I don't think that that is something that is sinful. Let me ask this, what about, somebody says, what about Harry Potter? What about talking birds and foxes and fairy godmothers, right? Is that, I mean, is that sinful as well? We want to, everybody hates on Harry Potter, but not Cinderella, right? Or the fairy godmother. I'm being a little facetious, but I hope that you kind of are gathering the point here that I think we can enjoy movies and books sometimes, obviously certain things, uh, with some level of amusement or enjoyment. Um, But the caution is, understanding there's no validity you know, to some of this witchcraft or sorcery thing, and the moment that a person puts their trust in those things and thinks that the future is determined by the stars or a witch or something like that, when they do that and they're putting their trust in something other than God, then then I think we have a problem. We're starting to border on having a problem. I asked Clayton this morning to lead um, "'Tis So Sweet to Trust in Jesus." That was the last song. The invitation song this morning was trust and obey because we were talking about faith and having faith in God involves trusting God. And so the time, whenever it is that we start taking our trust away from God and putting it into some type of sorcery or magic or dark arts or magical arts, I do think then we need to be careful. I would also say that there are countless warnings in the New Testament, and I didn't give all the references to you this afternoon, where Peter and other writers say, be sober. Now, they're saying don't be drunk. Well, yeah, that's part of it. Don't be drunk and filled with alcohol, but be sober, be clear-headed, be clear-minded, be careful in what you're, you're doing and what you're thinking and what you're saying. If, you're, if you go around town and you've got a Harry Potter book under your arm, I don't feel like you need to wear a sign that says, I don't practice witchcraft. You know, I'm not trying to say you got to go that far. I am saying that maybe if you have a chance to talk to someone or somebody asks you, hey, do you really believe that? You might want to be ready to give an answer for what you believe and what the Bible says about those things. But for, on the level of amusement to some extent, to, to crack open your fortune cookie and read it and kind of laugh about it or whatever, then, I mean, that, I think that's okay. That's fine. You're just kind of realizing that that's, that's something that people do, but it's not something the Bible speaks to exactly as well. The thing is, The Bible is the only reliable guide we have. We think about the psalmist saying in Psalm 119 that it is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. This is what we are trusting in and standing upon and believing in. And there are many other scriptures that we're not looking at this afternoon that sort of promote this idea of trusting in God, believing in him. These other, um, I mentioned Deuteronomy, but other passages that say don't partake in these things. You know, they can lead you astray. I think when it comes to the question of amusement, we can be uh, someone who enjoys a little bit of fun or imagination, but also be careful about what we promote to others, while also understanding that we are to rely upon God and His Word. The question, can the living communicate with the dead, is simple in which the answer is is no. We're not able to do that. That's not the way that God has chosen to work, even with understanding what happens with the witch at Endor there and Saul and and 1 Samuel. Um, I can encourage you and point you towards some some other articles if you'd like to know more or study about these things a little deeper, uh, because it is very interesting um, but hopefully that's a, a sort of a short summation uh, of what the Bible has to say about it, and, and maybe that can be something you can, can think about as you go forth, because it may be something that comes up. You never know. There are many people who believe very heavily and invest very heavily in these things, and uh, it may be something that you can uh, then logically and honestly discuss from the Word of God. Uh, we do pause, of course, at the end of our, our service here, at the end of the sermon, to extend Heaven's invitation. Um, it may not be that it has anything to do with anything we've studied today, but it's worth our time and effort as we are gathered together to sing a song that's been selected because we don't want anyone to leave this afternoon with worry on their heart or mind about their relationship with God. And so it benefits us to sing this song to encourage you to think about your relationship and your life If you're here and you're lost because you've never been baptized for the remission of your sins, we sing to encourage you, and we also encourage you that we will gladly study with you as soon as possible if you want to know more about that. Maybe you're here and you have wandered away or allowed sin to enter your life, or as we often say, sometimes maybe you just need the prayers of the church. It's that time of year, sometimes where uh, different emotions and feelings sort of get the best of us maybe, Uh, sometimes people feel like they're uh, down a little bit and maybe you want prayers of your church family to help you. We're thankful for that opportunity as well, but we just want to encourage you even now as we stand together and as we sing.